like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English, joined by my co-host, Andrew Ogowich. We are back after the worst Sunday of the year. The Bills not playing football during the regular season. They were on a bye week. A lot of other intriguing AFC matchups happen, so we're going to dive through that. Preview the Bills versus the Dolphins, answer some interesting Bills questions, and then we'll talk some Buffalo Sabres hockey at the end. Andrew, how are we doing today, and how were you able to survive a Sunday without the beloved Buffalo Bills? You know, I hate bye weeks almost as much as I hate primetime games. Um, so it was, uh, it was a rough weekend, but... Right, that's what uh, NFL red zones for. So you still get your uh, your fix on football, and I made it work. Uh, you know, just counting down the days for next Sunday when we can watch the Bills win again. But I made it. I survived. We're here. <laughs> so a lot of AFC intriguing matchups that we were kind of tasked with. You know, watching, seeing maybe some teams that. Earlier in the year, you might have thought higher on that would challenge the Bills. Um, a lot of head-to-head matchups that kind of told us a lot about the AFC landscape. So kind of just going over some of those games really quickly, and then I'll let you start first of what game kind of really stuck out to you, maybe a team. So the Browns obviously have had an up-and-down year. They had a slugfest, so to speak, against the Broncos on Thursday night with Case Keenum, 17-14 win. They're still intriguing just because of their defense. If they can get it rolling, maybe there's something there. Um, one of the bigger stories, obviously, the Chiefs continue to fall flat in their face. Patrick Mahomes leaves early with an injury. The Titans just give them an ass-whooping of a lifetime, 27-3. to um, The Patriots blew out the Jets. I know the Patriots really don't have the greatest record right now, but they're kind of keeping things interesting for the bottom of the AFC playoff picture. Um, the Chargers also had a bye. They've been good all year. Um, probably the biggest storyline was the Bengals beating the Ravens 41-17. to um, And then, obviously, um, the Colts 30-18. to They're kind of a weird team. And then the Raiders 33-22 over a bad Eagles team, but they're 5-2 and um, after the whole Gruden situation. So, of those games, maybe just a game or a team that really caught your eye um, and just some general takeaways from maybe the AFC as a whole this past weekend. Yeah, I think the the obvious answer is the Bengals. Uh, I watched that game in, in its entirety, and it was it was fun to watch. I mean, the Bengals looked awesome, right? They they reminded me of what the Bills were, right? The they were connecting on long balls. The offense was firing. The defense was looked pretty dominant. The Ravens just couldn't do anything. Um, so it was, uh, it was a fun game to watch, um, especially, you know, watching the Ravens lose. Um, they're another team that's on my shit list. Um, so, yeah, so it was fun to watch. Um, I don't think the Bengals are um, something to worry about moving forward. Um, Cause I still think, right. They're new to this successful team thing. Um, was it a fluke? Was it not? Have they put all their pieces together? I mean, Jamar Chase is just incredible. Um, and so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. 
Um, but it was really, it was a, like I said, it was a fun game to watch. They looked great. Joe Burrow looked great. Um, he was able to, you know, have time in the pocket to make those long throws and make the, the good reads that you need your franchise quarterback to make. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really, really interesting, um, game to watch and kind of see who, who might run the AFC in the near future. Um, the Raiders, I don't really put a lot of, uh, emphasis or, uh, anything into that win. Um, right. You're, you're playing a, a team in the Eagles that are terrible, right. They are very unorganized. Um, they still, right. The Raiders still let up or gave up 22 points. Um, so they looked decent, but I'm not worried about them moving forward, right. They've gotten lucky to get to five and two. Um, so I would think that falls off at some point moving forward. And then with the Colts, um, who knows, right? They finally got T.Y. Hilton back, uh, which is huge. Uh, but Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz is. He's an experience. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's one way to describe it. I don't, it's like Sugar High Josh took cocaine. Like it's, he's bizarre. Like it, take the 2019 Josh season and just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. It, it's bizarre. It, it's bizarre to watch him play. Um, like he tries, he's got good intentions, but it's just, it's a spectacle uh, to watch. So if you haven't watched him play at all, I mean, we'll get a chance here in a couple of weeks, but um, try to seek out a Colts game and, and watch Carson Wentz play. That's uh, he, um, he kind of, he's like sugar hide Josh, except, Every single ball he throws, it's like instead Josh has gotten smarter as far as like, oh, I need to throw this ball away. I'm my arms, you know, even though his arms super strong, he used to force every ball. Carson Wentz is I'm trying to make every play possible. I am never throwing a ball away. I will throw the ball yeah. from one knee. I will pitch it to the other team and maybe I'll get lucky. It's, it's like sugar high Josh mixed with um um Nate Johnny. Jordan. No, Johnny Menzel. <laughs> Combine right. Sugar Josh and Johnny Menzel, and you've got Carson Wentz. That's my uh, that's my comparison right now. Um, what about the Tennessee Titans? That <sighs> game. Well, the Chiefs are dead. I think that's very evident, which I love to see. Um, but. I hate the Titans, right? They're, they're number one on the shit list. Um, they've been on the shit list for years, but they just earned them themselves the number one spot. Um, it's like one of those things where it's like, are the chiefs really that bad or the Titans really that good? It's hard to tell. I mean, the chiefs defense is terrible, absolutely terrible. And the Titans only scored 27. Right. Um, but I mean, Derrick Henry's a problem. He will always be a problem. Um, their defense held the Chiefs to three points. Um, so, yeah, so they're clicking, right? They are um, – they've got motivation. They've got the momentum um, going to the second half of the um, season. So, whether they're real or not, they're going to be a problem just because of all this momentum beating us and then beating the Chiefs back-to-back -back weeks. 
They feel like they're on top of the world. They feel like they've got chips on their shoulders for whatever reason. So, yes, they're going to be a problem going to the second half of the season. Um, So I hope we don't have to – I hope our paths don't cross in the playoffs um, because I I don't want to play them again Uh, just because you know they're incredibly cocky, incredibly dirty, um, and it just would not – I don't think it would go well if we had to meet them again. Um, even after saying, right, that they gave everything they could and we were a yard and a half away from winning, like I said last week, I still – I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to play them again. Um, they are the hot team in the league next to uh, the Cardinals. So but it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on them and, and kind of see what happens moving forward. They're dangerous because they can beat you in a variety of ways. I mean, this past game was a prime example of that. Derrick Henry didn't even run for 100 yards, but he threw a touchdown. He was still effective. They ate the clock up, kept Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Um, Obviously, we're getting to him, even though their defense hasn't been great um, all year. The past two weeks, they've been able to generate pressure, and they're um, young secondary has been able to hold it down. Kevin Byard's back playing at a Pro Bowl type level. Um, cool. So I completely agree that they're a team you don't want to see. Um, there's always a question, are they peaking too early? But I feel like in the NFL, it's never that question anymore. It's like you want to always be playing your best football. Oh, yeah. um, Cincinnati is very interesting because they almost remind me of the Bills last year. From a standpoint of at the end of the year, this is a team that could very well end up with anywhere between 11 and 13 wins, depending on how games go. They have an unreal offense. I mean, you have Jamar Chase, you have T Higgins. You're talking about Tyler Boyd being your third receiver. Um, Uzama, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, as their tight end who's been bringing in some awesome catches the last few weeks, a couple big touchdowns. Um, they have a two-headed monster in Joe Mixon and P. Ryan. P. Ryan's burst onto the scene the last few weeks. The offensive line play has been better. Joe Burrow has shown time and time again in both college and now at the pro level that he has that clutch ability. He makes smart decisions with the ball. Um, obviously, he threw that bad interception against Green Bay a few weeks ago, but um, he walked right into Baltimore, a team that was really hot. Everyone's talking about them. Lamar had come off that 400-yard passing game. And they destroyed them. It wasn't even close. I believe it was 28 unanswered points at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a team that's scary, but they're kind of in the Bills last year of they haven't been to the playoffs in a while. And are they going to be able to get that monkey off their back win in the first game if they play a Tennessee, a Baltimore, a Chargers, whoever? The Chargers, to me, and they didn't play this past week, are still the team that strikes the most fear in me. But the big thing for me with them is health. Because when they are healthy, you're talking about a defense that features Bosa and Murray and Derwin James and these other guys that can fly around. Um, Obviously, the Browns game was a super high-scoring game, but, you know, two really good teams. And then Justin Herbert's obviously up and coming, kind of a younger Josh, same type of skill set. Mike Williams has really come onto the scene as a big-time receiver this year. Keen Allen's one of the best route runners in the league, but the big concern with those two guys and Austin Eckler, who's versatile in both the running and passing game, is always health. So if they're able to stay healthy and they can get clicking like they've shown earlier in the year, 
I mean, every team so far really in the AFC has had the letdown game. Buffalo had it first, the Steelers. The Chargers kind of had it first, Baltimore. Baltimore had it first, Cincinnati. Like any given Sunday type thing, just as a whole. And I just love Brandon Staley. Every time I listen to his interviews, he just seems like he has the command and respect of that whole entire team. He obviously had success and was a big part of why the Rams were so good. And I think he's brought that over. And they're a team, if those receivers are healthy, Eckler's going, Herbert's playing at a high level, they have a veteran tight end in Jared Cook, um, they have a good offensive line, defense has playmakers all around. But again, the biggest thing with Bosa, James, Allen, Williams, Eckler, all these guys have had injury histories. So I think overall, Tennessee right now strikes the most fear in me. But towards the end of the year, come playoff time, I have a feeling the Chargers are the team that you're not going to want to see just because I feel like they can click at the right time. And then kind of quickly on the Chiefs, like you said, they're kind of dead. I feel like Spagnola is going to get canned here eventually. I just don't know how you can continue to have him as your DC. I mean, you got to change something up. Um, so much for the Eric Bieniemy head coaching thing right now because he was the – hottest commodity last year along with Dable and some of these other guys and everyone was kind of making a big deal that he didn't get hired and guys like Staley and um, some of these other guys got hired but I mean the Chiefs offense hasn't gotten going considering the playmakers they have Um, obviously something has to change there whether that's philosophy coaching Um, it's not like they're super banged up like Kelsey is healthy Tyreek Hill is healthy Mahomes obviously got hurt at the end of that game but Something's not right there. Um, if they manage to squeak their way into the playoffs, I mean, they're still a dangerous team because, I mean, call it for what it is, but they've been to, you know, two straight Super Bowls. And if Mahomes gets the ball three years ago with the stupid NFL overtime rules, maybe he's in three straight Super Bowls. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Andy Reid's obviously a great coach for his career. If they sneak in, they can make a run at any point. But right now they're – I don't know what's going on there. They're – I mean, I'm looking at the playoff seating right now in front of me. They're 11th, they're three and four. Cincinnati's the one seed. The Raiders are the two seed. Um, Tennessee's three, Buffalo's four. Um, so who knows? The Bills have pretty much the greatest schedule left in the NFL. So really the one seed still does lie in their hand because I do think Tennessee is going to lose a few more games because I think the Colts always play them very tough. I think they're going to have a few more tough games in there. Cincinnati between the Browns and Ravens, I'm sure they're all going to beat up on each other. And I just don't trust the Raiders. We've seen this time and time again with them where they start off good and then fall off the face of the earth. Right. Um, so it's really in Buffalo's hands. Um, I guess before we transition kind of into this week's game, first Miami and kind of the schedule here going forward. Um, any other thoughts on the AFC or anything I said that maybe kind of caught your attention? <laughs> um. No, I mean, I think you said it all, right? I, the Chargers are definitely a younger Bills team, right? They're the most similar. Those two teams are very similar. Um, coach that's all about the process, loves his guys. His guys love him. Young quarterback, incredible wide receivers, incredible weapons, and a defense that's, you know, going to stand in and and fight to the end. So, um, yeah, it's I just – it's going to be one hell of a finish to this season. Um, right. Like you said, I think Cincinnati and Vegas are going to fall off. Um, and then it's going to be Titans bills, 
Chargers fighting for that number one seed. Um, it, it's gonna it's gonna be one hell of a finish to the season. Um, I'm I'm excited for it. Right, for once we don't have to. Well, not for once, but it's refresh refreshing to use the playoff simulator to figure out all right, what do we have to do to get the number one seed instead of all right, what do we have to do to get a wild card spot? Like uh, if you remember those days of you know in the hunt, we are in the hunt, but for the number one seed. Um, so how how everything tracks and, and falls is going to be um, interesting, and I'm I'm ready for it. I am ready for it. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting from a football's perspective compared to other professional sports, and I think we've seen it more and more, especially in the NBA, um, from the standpoint of when we get to the week 16 through 18 type um, part of the season, by then you kind of have a general idea of where you're going to be. You have a few teams that are probably going to be locked in as division winners, so you know they're going to be a top four seed and have a home game. But that one through three, as far as spots go, is going to be tight. There might be a team, maybe it's an NFC, like the Cardinals, if they continue on their way, maybe they already have the one seed locked up by that point. Then it gets to the point of, are you playing games differently based on potential matchups you can have? Like you've seen it in NBA where, like I remember last year, like like Milwaukee and the Nets and stuff were resting certain guys and didn't really care about wins and losses because they wanted to, line up in a certain spot to play a different team. Like, is that something we're going to see where you get to week 17, 18, and it's like, okay, if the Bills get the one seed, obviously they get the bye, and then, you know, they're going to end up playing whoever in the next round. Or if the Bills are sitting in that two, three spots, like, well, if we win and get the two seed, we're going to get matched up against, you know, Baltimore in the first round. But if we lose and get the three seed, you know, we're going to face the Raiders who we feel like we have a better matchup against. And I feel like it's tougher to do that in football because it's a one game and and NFL, any given Sunday can happen compared to basketball where it's a seven game series. So it's kind of a null point from that. But I do think it's interesting because I do think some teams do have that mindset, but it's so hard to try to make it happen. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, McDermott, and being I don't old. think the Bills will be one of those. We'll teams. let that happen. Yeah. No, I mean, right? They they said their goal is win the division, get a home playoff game. That's all they care about. And I mean, that will definitely happen this year. It's just, is it one home playoff game? Is it two? Is it three? Um, how's that going to look for us? So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the NFC that's going to be an interesting finish, but I think everyone who's at the top now is pretty much going to stay at the top. I don't think there's much changing there, but with like the AFC, it could flop around, right? The Steelers could pull it together. I don't think they will, but they could pull it together. The Colts could pull it together. Like you said, the chiefs could just snap their fingers and be back to where they were. I don't see that happening. Um, But yeah, I mean, you've got really only, you know, the bottom is going to be, the Texans, Dolphins, Jags, Jets, and probably the Broncos because they're embarrassing. But everything else is up for grabs. Who knows what's going to happen? Where the NFC, it pretty much, you know, Lions, Seahawks, Giants, Eagles, football team, Niners, Panthers, Bears, Falcons are garbage, right? So um, a lot more... uh, a lot more's up for grabs here in the AFC, which is again is why it's important that the Bills have to win the games that they need to win. 
don't go easy, right? Get that point margin, get, um, I mean, there's only what, I will talk about the schedule in a minute, but it's just, there's, there's not much that can go wrong, uh, but anything can go wrong. So that they just they have to stay healthy. They have to stay focused on the goal at hand and take advantage of an easier schedule. So the Bills schedule, mm-hmm. they play the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Colts, the Saints, the Patriots, and then we finally get a test versus the Bucks. Now the Patriots, they've been – I think they're competent. I think they'll give the Bills a good game. Um, I still think the Bills will win. The Colts, I – Carson Wentz is an experience. Same thing with Jameis Winston. Good God. Um, the Jets, we might not even be seeing Zach Wilson this first matchup. It might be Joe Flacco who they just traded for. Right. Um, and then the Jaguars, obviously, they have Trevor Lawrence, who's a promising quarterback, but the rest of the roster stinks. I'm actually going to be going to that game, so hopefully we'll beat them by 40. Um, and then the Dolphins, uh, to a tag of Iola. Um, they've lost two heartbreakers in different countries the last two weeks. Um, obviously, a lot of Deshaun Watson talk there. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, this kind of feels like a trap game just because it's a division game. And I don't know, at some point you feel like the dolphins based on the roster they have, would get it together. But then the other side of me sees what Josh Allen does to the dolphins and thinks we're going to beat them by 30. Are you okay? We have totally flipped mindset the last few weeks you are now pessimistic the world's ending bills fan and i'm like eh, i'm on top of the world we're just gonna route them again give me a, if it's not another shutout it's a fail um no it's not a trap game it's nowhere near a trap game as i knock on all the wood near me um no the dolphins are terrible the bills are gonna be home after losing that heartbreaker, get the bye week to rest up and get refocused, right? You see Diggs posting on Instagram how he's, you know, focused and ready to come back and he's excited to get back to it. Other players are posting that too. Uh, we are wearing throwbacks, which may be a concern. Um, the gray face masks are back with the uh, throwbacks this weekend. Um, but no, it's, they're going to win. They're going to win easily. Um We'll get back into the win column and uh, on to Jacksonville. I don't think I'm like scared. It's more of like, I see the schedule. Could happen. Yeah. Is what you're saying. I just, I just see the schedule and I look at dolphins, Jags, jets, Colts, and saints. And I'm just like, okay, the Bills should win their next five games and we should be, you know, nine and two. And like, it just feels weird to say that. I know last year we obviously did that. Hey, but did, it, did we do that last year? So we did, but we haven't but we haven't seen that repeatedly over and over in all of our football years on this planet. And well, yeah. I'm I'm getting back towards what you were at the beginning of the year as far as how many times have we gone through like heartbreak and then like it just comes back. I still right. think we're gonna kill the dolphins, don't get me wrong. I'm kind of just throwing it out there that division games always get weird and it's on Halloween. So who knows what's going to happen. Um, but no, Josh always lights up the dolphins. Um, I think this is a perfect game to kind of get Singletary and Moss back going. Cause they were kind of great at the beginning of the year and they've fallen off the last couple of weeks. And I thought Singletary was running it pretty decent against the Titans, but just didn't get a lot of carries. And his breakout game was kind of against the dolphins when he had that monster TD run. 
But at the same time, I kind of want to see Josh throw the ball 40 times and just beat them. And I want to see a lot of Mitch Trubisky at the end of the game. I'm interested to see what the offensive philosophy is without Dawson Knox, Um, right? With Tommy Sweeney, is he – like McDermott obviously said that he believes in him. He has to say that. Um, But are you going to run it to the outside with Tommy Sweeney in there and and not Dawson Knox? Are you going to just air it out? Are we going to – we'll probably see more Cole Beasley in the slot this week. Um, to kind of make up for no Dawson Knox. Um, I, I bet Gabe Dave gets some more snaps to kind of be that big body to take over um, for without having um, Dawson there. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what Brian Dable does. Um, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the offense work without him, right? He's been such a surprise staple of the offense, right? We didn't expect this to happen. Um, and I've loved watching it happen. Um, so, um, I'm interested to see kind of what the offense looks like and, um, what they can do, but I'm all for it. I'm going to predict, uh, Gabe Davis has a hundred yard receiving game. And I think that we're going to see a high dosage of Reggie Gilliam. I think, I think that, I mean, he was originally a tight end. They've kind of moved him into that fullback role. Obviously, he knows how to block. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the field a little bit more. Um, obviously, Nate Becker had a little bit of interesting stuff in the preseason. I don't even, I don't even, I'd have to look if he's even on our practice squad still, if they would maybe elevate a player like that who had a couple of nice moments. But I, like I yeah. said, I think Gabe Davis fits in perfectly because he does, he reminds me of a little bit of Robert Woods from the standpoint of he's a decent blocker always comes up with a timely catch, very team oriented. Um, I think it's the perfect spot for him to get a lot of blocking opportunity, but I think Reggie Gilliam was used a lot in the preseason for a reason, as far as Dave wanted to figure out what he can do and use him in. Um, and I think this is a prime opportunity against a bad team to kind of try some things out and see what you can and can't do. So th- agree. Um, but them not going out and signing any tight ends, do you think that means they don't expect Dawson to be out that long? Do you think that means they're confident in Reggie Gilliam, Tommy Sweeney figuring it out, or they're not sure what to do and they want to see how this game goes before they make a decision? What do you think that means? I think part of it is they see the schedule and they don't think they need Dawson Knox to win against the Dolphins, Jags, and Jets. I think the other part of it, which I thought was interesting, was going through Twitter today and they were showing Dawson Knox working out. He has no cast on his hand at all. It's just a bandage. So that tells me that bye week helped. It tells me that he probably had the surgery immediately after the game and had almost that full week plus the bye week. It was the next day he got it. Yeah. So that tells me that he feels confident that next week or by the Jets week, they'll be able to get him back. And I think that our passing offense is so good. And the, really the only thing you're missing him for is the bigger plays kind of when Josh scrambles out, Knox always feels like he finds a way to get open. But I think from a run game perspective, I think Knox is probably a little 
better, but at the same time, Tommy Sweeney is kind of on this roster to be a run blocker type deal. So to me, if anything, that just means they're going to run the ball a little bit more. Maybe we're going to see some more screens and play action with the running backs. Mm -hmm. And maybe Sweeney's just going to have some of those weird touchdown plays like we saw against the Titans where he kind of maybe blocks and then floods out into the flat. He'll Um, get a random we'll get a random Lee Smith type touchdown. Exactly. And I think the other part of it is there's just not like, there's not any really big name free agent tight ends right now that like, do you really want to go sign like a 36, 37 year old Delaney Walker? Like, no. Do you want to trade a seventh round pick to like the Jaguars just to get Jacob Hollister back for like a couple weeks? Um, did you want to go call a team like Atlanta where Kyle Pitts is starting to come up and now Hayden Hurst is kind of that guy man out, but it's like, okay, well, when Knox comes back, does he fit in? And I think that's more of the biggest reason why they aren't doing it is like, why go out and trade for a guy and take away from what Dawson has done this year? When he comes back, he needs to know like you're the guy. And I feel like not trading for a tight end almost gives Knox more confidence of like, this team believes in me. Same thing with Sweeney. Like they believe in this locker room. Same thing with the running back room. Everyone was kind of like, oh, why didn't we go draft Travis Etienne? Or why didn't we go sign another running back? It's like having the faith in your players, believe it or not, like it actually does go somewhere. And like, I feel like if you brought in a Zach Ertz or a Hayden Hurst or something, it's like now Dawson has think even when he comes back, it's like, damn, if I go back to the way I was the first two years and I drop a few balls in, you know, Ertz or Hurst or whoever they trade for comes in and catches a touch or something. It's like, am I no longer the guy anymore? Does Josh not want to throw to me as much? Like just all little psychological stuff like that. Um, I do think that schedule is a big part of it, but I think they do just have a lot of confidence in Knox. And it seems like the injury isn't as bad or going to hold him out as long as maybe first seemed. Yeah. Last question before we kind of move on to what else we had planned. Besides the Buccaneers game, any other game you think we lose? Um, no, but the Saints game and the Patriots game on the road, I think are going to be close. The Saints are just a weird team. Thanksgiving in New Orleans is always going to be a crazy atmosphere. You never know what you're going to get with Jameis. There's games where we saw on Monday night, which was the the worst game I think I've ever watched in my life. Um, Like he just, sometimes he doesn't even know what he's going to do with the ball. But by then Michael Thomas is going to be back. They have some injuries. Their defense is still good. Um, Sean Payton's obviously a good coach. They always find weird exotic ways to use Taysom Hill. So I feel like that's going to be a closer game, but I still think the Bills can win that. And then, Bill Belichick has been haunting both of our lives, our entire lives. And Mac Jones seems like he's starting to play some competent football. I still think we're a way better team, but the Patriots are the Patriots. We've only been, you know, the ringleaders of this for one year. They've been doing it to us for 16. So until we start doing this for three, four five years on and on and giving it right back to them. Um, and as long as still Bill Belichick with his cutoff arm sleeves and his hoodies standing on the other sideline, I feel like there's always going to be a little bit of cause for concern just because he is a good coach and playing in Foxborough is um, a tough atmosphere. Earlier in the season, I would have said the Panthers, but good Lord, have they fallen off. Um, 
But um, and then like Colts, maybe. I mean, like playoff rematch. Carson Wentz has a really good game. I don't know, but no. I mean, outside the Bucks, I really don't see a reason why the Bills lose more than the Bucks game. And if they do, I mean, it's kind of what we've talked about the last few weeks. Like, good teams lose games, like you said. Like, there's always going to be. I feel like there is going to be another week in the year where maybe it's weather, maybe it's you know, something's not clicking, you knock on wood, you know, you never know with injuries. So, um, but out, yeah, outside the Bucks game, the Patriots and Saints are the two games I'm kind of looking at of like maybe there, but um, no other real fear um, in my mind, to be honest. Okay. Um, transitioning, um, cool. you had found an interesting question on, Twitter. So I'm going to let you kind of take it over of the general question um, of, you know, I'll just let you take it away instead of. Mumbling. Yeah. So I saw, I saw a tweet um, a couple weeks ago and it was, if you could bring any player uh, or a couple players from the drought teams, bring them back to be able to experience what this team is now and the success and uh, the winning and the hype, who would that be? Um, so some parameters, right? Kyle was on a playoff team, so he doesn't count. He's an obvious answer, but right. He had a little bit taste of it towards the end. So we'll leave him out on this one, even though, right. I think that's a universal answer. We want Kyle. Um, and then, right. Like, um, Eric molds, Josh Reed, they, yeah, they were on the 99 playoff team, so They don't count. They tasted playoffs. So we're strictly, 2000 through 2013 um those years of just full-on drought um what what players would you like to bring back to be able to experience this there's three that pop into my head immediately um number one and it's really not close is fred jackson Mm -hmm. um i mean he embodies buffalo um, just class act, a guy that was a division three player undrafted comes on, makes a major impact. I will still to this day hold that if he didn't get injured the one year, he would have been in the top three for MVP voting that year. He had like 900 something yards through like six games or something. It was on just an absolute tear before he had the knee injury. Um, he just, he was great blocker, great running back, good out of the backfield, great leader always out in the community. Um, Like I said, he just embodied Buffalo. um, And I think he would have been a great player to have enjoy. Um, My second one might be a little bit more of a shocking answer, but I would say Mario Williams. Hmm. Um, From the perspective of when we signed Mario, he kind of had a little bit, I feel like, of not, not as much as Diggs, but he kind of had a little bit of a negative vibe around him, how he was leaving Texans. Um, He's obviously a huge name. People weren't really sure if he would buy into Buffalo, this small market, this, that, and the third. But for the years he was in Buffalo, he was one of the most dominant and productive defensive ends we've seen since Bruce Smith. Like he was that impactful a player. I would have loved to have seen what he would have done um, if the lights are on Bryce in a playoff game, especially on a team like now with a Mario Williams in his prime, good Lord. Um, like 
I thoroughly enjoyed when Mario was on the team. I thought he was good to the fans. I thought he was actually pretty funny in the media. Um, I loved his red uh, eyes that he would have on Sundays. Why Rex Ryan during his last few years thought it was good to drop him back in the past coverage. That's a different story, but um, I thought he's kind of interesting because I feel like a lot of people are just like, oh, he was only here for a few years, but I think he, you know, really did embrace Buffalo when he was here, um, even though it was for a short period um, of time, so to speak. And then the third guy um, that kind of comes to my mind um, would probably be um, either. It's tough. I would probably say. Oh, God. Aaron Schobel. He he still to me is the second best defensive end ever to play for the Bills, even above Mario Williams, just from how long he was on the team. Um, the stats back that up, you know, a guy that really never got a ton of credit for the production because he always had other great defensive players around him. So his name never really popped off the screen at you. Um, but I was always just a huge fan of him. Um, similar to Freddie, and he was just a really fun player to watch. Um, I think he would honestly pop off more in today's game just based on how often pass rushers are talked about. I feel like back then it was all about the cornerbacks and, you know, the linebackers, especially with Ray Lewis and those type of players. Uh, and then he obviously was on Buffalo, so he wasn't on a big market team, so he was never talked about like the Michael Strahans of the world and whatnot. So um, those three guys, Stevie Johnson's another guy, but – um, those three, Mario Williams, Aaron Schobel, and Fred Jackson are kind of the first three that came to my mind when you posed that question. Yeah, all good ones. Aaron was on my list. Um, one of my all-time favorite Bills. Loved him. Um, another player, Chris Kelsey. Um, right, Kelsey and Schobel, they were career Bills, played all of their years here. Incredible, right? Those were – during the years when we had incredible defenses, but the offense was just terrible, right? And you're like, man, if only we had a quarterback, we could do something, um, right? They were leaders on that defense, leaders on the team, incredible in the community, um, you know, so would have loved to, you know, get them some success. Um, George Wilson, the safety, loved him, met him um, when I went to the Jim Kelly football camp when I was younger such a nice guy, right? He won um, the Walter Payton player of the year award, um, or at least for the bills a, a couple of years in a row, did a lot of stuff in the community. He was a great player too, right? Um, he was always there. He was like Micah Hyde. He is very similar to how Micah Hyde plays. So um, just a great guy in the community, great guy on the team. Would have loved to have him get some success. Um, and then Probably I'll, I'll put two together, uh, Brian Mormon and Ryan Lindell. Yeah. For, for years, they were our best players, right? Like they were so good. They were consistently good. All of the trick plays they ran, um, just their consistency, like just were so, so good. Um, and it's a shame, right? They didn't, it's a shame Ryan Lindell didn't get to kick a game winner in the playoffs or for a Super Bowl or, um, anything like that or kick off a playoff game or a Super Bowl. So, um, I, you know, I wish they could share in some success. Um, 
I'll, I'll throw them on the list too. I'm sure there's a, a way more, right? Like Takeo Spikes. I mean, he had um, some success elsewhere as well, but um, yeah, not too many offensive players. <laughs> no. Um, you know, if you think about it, there weren't too many out there that uh, they're like, man, it would have been nice, but. Surprised um, you didn't throw your boy Scott Chandler in there. So he's disqualified because he went off and had success. So it's like players who were on the bills for long term, didn't get success and didn't go elsewhere to get success. I thought about him, um, but he won a Super Bowl ring. Same with uh, Chris Hogan. Um, they won Super Bowls that had success with the Patriots. So uh, they're disqualified automatically. Yeah, I always remember Mormon jumping on Lindell's shoulder after the yeah. Patriots game winner. And yep. Brian Norman will Mormon will still go down as having the single greatest highlight in a Pro Bowl game, running the fake, getting absolutely getting lit straight. up yep. by Sean Taylor, lying on the ground like he was dead. And then like Michael Jackson straight up like popped up, took it like a yep. champ. So shouts him because he was pretty much the only player the Bills sent to the Pro Bowl for like six years, probably in a row um, during yep. those teams. But, but yeah, that's uh it's a fun thing to think about. Right. And just kind of reminisce on those teams. Right. It was just such a terrible part of our life, but <laughs> it was such a big part of our life. Yeah. Like I, I guess you could throw Trent Edwards in there as a backup, right. I don't want to replace Josh, but I love Trent Edwards and he could have been huge for us. If we didn't get his head blown off uh, in was it Kansas city or Arizona. Yeah. Right. We were five and one, five and two that year. Then we're on the road. I think it was Arizona on the road in Arizona. And he just gets his head blown off concussed was never the same after that but right he was probably the closest thing we had to a franchise quarterback there for a while um so you know throw him in there potentially um terrence mcgee he was solid for us for a while would have been nice um you know the list goes on and on so something to think about um as you go through your next week or your you know week leading to um the next game something to think about but that was a fun, uh, fun little question. And before we close the show, we'll do, we'll make this quick. Cause I know Andrew <laughs> doesn't want to spend too much time on this, but we have to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. Hockey is back. We've played six games. The Buffalo Sabres are four, one and one, nine points, currently second in the division. And as far as Eastern Conference goes, they're fourth, but. I mean, they put a smackdown on the Stanley Cup champs, five to one. Uh, they played good against the Bruins, even though they lost. You know, they beat up on Montreal, who's been having a bad year, but was in the Stanley Cup last year. Obviously played some other bad teams like the Coyotes and the Canucks. But so far, they've actually been pretty entertaining to watch. Even when they're losing games, they're still giving a lot of effort, and it's actually been enjoyable. They've won you some money, um, betting-wise. Yeah. and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Sabres have been a wagon so far. I feel like everyone knows that eventually this is all going to come crashing and burning down, as it always does. But it is nice to see the young players develop, kind of have a weird young team that we know is going to be bad, but it's going to be fun to watch, and they really have nothing to lose, so it's going to be funner. It is sad that we're only getting seven, 8,000. Part of that is because the Bagulas have made it so bad. The arena sucks. The food sucks there. The product on the ice has been so bad for so long. 
And with the pandemic and everything, they let season ticket holders, you know, buy all these tickets and are trying to sell them on the market. There's a lot of bad things going on there. Obviously, it sucks that they've been only getting seven to 8,000 every night. And I think if they can continue to sustain this and be a 500 team or something, I think by the end of the year, they'll start drawing in the 12 to 14,000, maybe a sellout here and there if you're really, really lucky. But um, so far, the Sabres have been really fun to watch. I'm excited to watch them get after it tomorrow night against the Ducks. It's going to be a late game, 10 o'clock. I probably won't watch the whole game. But um, what are your thoughts on the Sabres so far as a person who despises them right now? So they've played six games. I've watched parts of two of them. I think I've watched enough of those two games to consider it one game. So I have watched them this season. Um, they are starting to win me money. Um, when they played the Bruins, I made a bet that Taylor Hall would score and they the Bruins would win. So they technically won me money on that because they lost the game. I just knew, right, Taylor Hall's going to want revenge on them, right? It's a revenge game for him. And sure as shit, he scored and the Bruins won. So I won some money on that. Um, but I have come to the decision um, and I fully accept it, right? I'm going to admit it. I'm going to fair weather fan them and bandwagon them all season. If they're winning, I'll watch them. If they're losing, eh, not going to watch them. Um, so I will admit it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be a diehard fan because I can't anymore. I'm so sick of it. Um, it's just such a dumpster fire until they do something to Josh, you know, with Josh, uh, or Josh with Jack. Oh, I not, I'm not going back. Um, I'll fair weather fan it. I just, I I'm so turned off by that organization and how it's being run and just what a dumpster fire is it is and what they're doing to Jack. Um, I can't do it. I can't watch them seriously. So I will hate watch them. I will bet against them um, or bet with them just for the, the fact to win money. Um, but I will not be a, real quote-unquote real fan if you want to look at it that way but they have looked good the young guys are looking good so maybe there's hope for the future um but they got to get their heads out of their asses and figure something out because it's it's painful yeah i mean middlestat getting injured in the first game is not great he's a guy they wanted to see a lot of play him and henry okiaru who both signed the same exact deal um three years at nine million so obviously those two guys missing time hasn't been great um, Darlene cousins, um, some of those other guys have been really fun to watch. And on a Rochester note, um, their past few bigger picks and Jack Quinn and Paterka yeah. been lighting it up for them there. Um, hopefully we'll get to see them by the end of the season. Um, Owen power levy, some of these other guys in college right now playing have been also doing an awesome job. So, um, hopefully we have some good things in the future and when the inevitable thing happens of the Sabres trading Jack, Eichel, whenever that will be. There will be a small um, episode released then of me and Andrew when we actually were off air talking about it. Um, I saved that to kind of release once the trade actually happens because I think it's a good conversation. We'll obviously talk more on it then. Um, honestly, I think we're both on the same point with that as far as we both just want to see the situation resolved, get him off the team. Um, at the end of the day, he is a human being, and like this surgery thing is kind of just – gone on for way too long just let the guy have the surgery he wants for that's going to help him for later in life well beyond hockey um i really don't want to get too more into that because it's going to get me all 
ag- <laughs> aggravated and fired up. But, um, yeah, the Sabres are off to a good start. I mean, they have a couple easier games coming up against a bad Ducks team, a bad Kings team. Um, the Sharks have been playing a little well, and then they get their Red Wings later on. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're off to a good start. They've gotten off to a good start, you know, three of the last four years, and it's completely collapsed. I feel like the difference this year is fans don't really have the expectation, so it's a lot less hard to actually get physically hurt by them. Um, but no, so far um, it's been awesome to kind of see these young guys just going out there and playing hard. I feel like people don't realize in Buffalo, that's all really the fans want you to do is go out there and sure. give 110% yeah. every single second you're out there, even if you're down four to one, which is what they did against the Bruins. And, you know, they aren't getting booed off the ice, you know, they're still getting cheers and stuff. And that's all you really want for this season, I think. And it's not the players I have an issue with, right? Like I love watching them play hard and look good and look promising. It's just all the nonsense that the management has done is what's turning me off to the team. It's not the players, right? Like they're working hard. They're earning their money, earning their paychecks and good on them. Right. I hope they do well. It's just, it's how management has handled the Jack situation and just, everything just running the organization it's just it's embarrassing and it turns me off and i know it turns a lot of other um fans off too so i know i'm not alone in this um but we'll see um i hope the players do well i hope management rots in hell until they figure something out with jack because like you said it's it's not fair to him it doesn't matter if it's guaranteed money guaranteeing cod whatever right at the end of the day like this has to be a human decision at some point right this poor kid is wasting away yeah. all he wants to do is play hockey and get better and get yeah. surgery and minus you know, whatever you like think about him as a player sure. his captaincy whatever right. just as a human and- I, I hate jack eichel i have said that many times but i feel bad for him in this scenario they are screwing him over um and it, it needs to end you have to just do something to let this kid play right you're wasting his career and And a chance to be on the olympic team which probably the best u.s olympic team we've had in our lifetime so and it's it's not fair to him so um until they do something and make it right and prove that they're not all idiots i'm I'm done with them fair point all right well that's gonna do it for today's show um appreciate everyone for tuning in if you do not follow us on instagram please give us a follow there at english encore podcast we will be back uh next week following the bills uh hopefully curb stomping the dolphins um on halloween so let's uh beat them i guess before we do quick uh score prediction for the game before we close um 42 10 42-10. I'm going to go 36-12. to 12. Kind of an odd score, but I kind of like it. But I'd like a shout-out, but I don't think we get to. Fair. All right, well, thank you all again for tuning in. We'll be back next week following that game. Um, appreciate everyone for all the support. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills.